he's just surfing an event because he likes the wave and why not? But he gets a few heat wins under his belt and he starts to think, oh, fuck these kids. And that's when he uh, gets pretty dangerous. Welcome to The Drop. My name is Danny Johnson. And this week on the show, we've got the Stab Cusp team back, Mikey Saramella and Stace Galbraith to talk us through the last championship series event of the season, Halle Eva, and where we're at with qualification scenarios for the next championship tour season. But before we get to that, let's catch up on this week's biggest stories with Stab's editor, Big Dick Power Surfer, Brendan Buckley. What's going on in France? You're back in France? I'm back in France. It's, uh, it's cold. It's gray. It's rainy. It's the, the sky kind of has that like that like dark communist looking gray to it, you know? <laughs> it just looks like you wanna <laughs> build a wall through Berlin type shit. Yeah, I know the I know the color. I know that special yeah. type of gray. Yeah, so we got that, like we got the communist gray skies where it's almost like misty too, you know? Um, we got that going on. It's cold, the waves are bad. It's uh, it's great. Today's Thanksgiving. Which means absolutely nothing here. Well, what are you thankful for? For anyway, what if you if you had to be imagine yourself back in your homeland? The first thing that comes to mind is a surfboard that I had for like five years. Just because I've been riding, I've been like on another little stint with it, and I'm like, how have I had this thing for five years and it still works good? And so, um, <laughs> hope my wife doesn't listen to this. <laughs> yeah, I picked a five zero over you. <laughs> How tall is your is your wife? She's probably like she's probably got seven inches. Nah, she's not five seven. She's got a good like six inches on the board. Probably she's five six maybe. Hmm. She doesn't have any fins though, and this one has four. <laughs> Everything and all the Peter Mel story premieres on his birthday in the lovely town of Santa Cruz. And what an event, folks, and what an event. So this is a film on Stab Premium. Uh, it'll drop online on Tuesday, but if you're lucky enough to be in Santa Cruz, you may have watched it in person amongst all your friends, maybe saying, Peter Mel, happy birthday. I hope that happened. I hope they gave him a cake. Um, and it's a great movie. Yeah, well, I still haven't seen it, Buck, but we do have some audio from Taylor Paul, who was there on the night, introducing the night and... Pete Mel on stage with a microphone in his hand, which he's very familiar with. So let's have a little listen to that. Anyway, uh, my name is Taylor Paul, and I'm the director of Stab Premium, which means that I'm to blame for that paywall that sits up on uh, stabmag.com now. And I know that that's been a big change for our audience, but I want to say that I think tonight's going to show you guys why it's important, because this film that we're putting out tonight is has no corporate sponsors. So that means that all of you out there and everybody online supported it and allowed us to tell a real and honest and true story. And I think that really comes through. And we couldn't do that with some third party marketing director sitting over our shoulder saying, I just get that, that stuff's a little sad. That stuff's a little messy, let's get that out of there. So we, we got to tell a story that we really wanted to tell and I want to thank you guys all for that. This is Pete Mel. This is his 52nd birthday party that you're all attending right now. Just gives away the microphone, huh? Hi, Taylor. Hi, Pete. How's things? Things are good. Cool. So. The title, Everything and All, that's a reference to a feeling Peter says he gets when he when he rides waves. And he said that when he was in a darker time in his life, he was doing drugs. He was trying to chase that feeling. Like talks about like the first big wave he caught when he was a kid at Sunset Beach. And it was like, it just hooked him. It was just like this like really intense feeling that he just wanted to keep doing and doing. And that's kind of what led him on the big wave thing. And eventually he thinks that's, you know, part of the reason why drugs roped him in but i just i don't know if i've ever felt that what gets me about pete mel is and i think that a lot of people might have had this experience where they've gotten to know him via the wsl events where he's commentating and he just seems lighthearted and goofy and 
overall just seems super nice. He's definitely not what I picture when I imagine a meth head or, or even like a big wave lunatic. And then, I don't know, I, I guess it makes sense. He's from Santa Cruz and Flea and Barney both struggle with those, with drugs there. And then former pro Chris Brown, he died after falling off a cliff while he was high on meth. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense that he's from this town, but just as a, just as a, he's not the psychographic I imagine to, to, to be this, yeah, this animal that's going for everything in all buck. Well, I was thinking the WSL, in my opinion, is obligated to just constantly remind people of this now. Like the same way with pots, they just say the world championship thing. Like they have to, I think like at least once an event, they should show that wave he caught last year and they should just kind of remind you like, hey, by the way, Peter Mel battled with meth and came out on the other side good. Like they have to, and you go, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter Mel, yeah, yeah. They Because without it, you forget almost. Yeah, it's easy to forget how much of a psycho he is. And that wave in particular, it's... It's such an amazing exclamation mark to, to his life, really. I mean, I don't know if he's going to get a better wave than that. Do you think he's going to get a better wave? Is that, he, is that the peak of his surfing experience? It's pretty hard to beat, right? I mean, it'd be incredible if he does, but I'd have to say no. Do you think you've had the best wave of your life? Do you think the best wave of your life is in your future or your past? I think it's still coming. There's one that stands out to me already but I think it's coming I always think about like it's easy for me to like pinpoint the best way of my life in like different time frames too you know but oh this is like this for this part of my life and I know the best way I've had in France and like I kind of like do it like that in my head but I I think it's still coming yeah how about you I don't know we're producing a video with Mick Fanning at the moment it's called cheat codes and one of his tips is all about body placement and it's it's an amazing tip there's so many people that that I've seen talk about different tips, but Mick's one is so simple and so applicable. And I, I took what he was talking about and I started talking to my friend, Sean Whiffen, who's a physio, just about why it and, and how it all works. And he started to explain to me that, that because surfing such like a dynamic activity and it requires like well-functioning muscle systems, like muscles obviously don't work in isolation. They they, they've got what they call like this called muscle slings or something or anatomy chains is another, another name for it. This is basically um, how effective movements happened. And so like essentially he's just, he just said to me and I was like having this conversation going, wow, this is all so compelling. But then he just said to me at the end of the phone call, he's like, he's like so if you don't have good movement in your thoracic spine, then you'll just never be a good surfer. And he just said that the, the feet, pelvis and thoracic spine, thoracic spine are the three big areas that determine like the body's function and, and all these things are basically fused together on me. So like I'm starting to think like, fuck, am I ever going to catch it? Am I ever going to be able to like crouch in a tube ever again? Because I'm like, I feel so stiff and busted up at the moment from too much time on the computer. Well, I don't know. I hope your Jurassic Park starts feeling better and you can start doing some turns or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to make the CT this year? So this is kind of bittersweet for us because we're coming up on the last Challenger Series event of the year, which means we might have to stop podcasting. Um, the Challenger Series will be done till May and there's like five like super annoying CT events between now and then, like at Waves like Pipeline, which like who's going to watch that? Nope. Um, so this is the last one of the year, Haleiwa, and we're going to have a new crop of CT surfers decided. Mikey from The Cusp, who we'll hear from later, I believe, he wrote a story on Stat Premium about it. You can go check out, that out, see his picks, see his little layout of the event. But uh, it's an exciting time. We get some more Challenger Series surfing this week. Yep, I've been talking to the Stab team over in Hawaii. They're filming for the pickup, and they said that the swell's been a little junky but it's just turned on and it should be on for the next six or seven days. And the comp starts Friday. So it could be a, a brilliant CS event, Buck, like they all are. I think it will be a brilliant one. And it is, you know, we got the Triple Crown, the Vans, Triple Crown coming. We got this. It's, it's Island Boy season, I think. Um, have you seen that whole thing, by the way, that like weird Island Boy thing that went, viral like in the u.s i don't really it's like an nft to me i don't really get it but i something about it, i can't get enough have you you know what i'm talking about i'm all about it i love the island boys 
I'm an island boy, and I've been trying to make. Oh, I'm an island boy. Hey, I'm a just island boy. I'm a just island boy. I'm a get keep that done. I'm a just staring at the sun. This kind of brought to my attention. There's a surf shop in Hawaii that got like, I guess it's like a weird music thing of these guys that have fucked up hair from Florida singing in a pool. And they just sing about being island boys. And a surf shop got them to do that like cameo thing where they get like a a personalized video made for them. And it's, I, I can't get enough. We might be late to it, but I, I love it. And I can't get enough. I want to eat it up. The Black Bear Surf Club are the best. Hey, shout out to the Black Bear Surf Club. They we got a surfer name's Black Bear, Billy Cole, Reef, and Tyler, and Mel Nye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They surf waves, jaws, and pipelines, and worldwide. You know what the thing about it is? Is like, it's just like they didn't even try. The one guy, they have a weird chemistry where like one guy's yelling, the other guy kind of yells on top, but they're kind of fucking it up a lot. You know, <laughs> they're like just kind of off beat. They're not synced up well at all. It's, it's... I love it though. I don't know what it is. It's like, well, I guess one of those classic internet things. It makes no sense, but you're like, it works. Yeah, and they're, they're inspiring. I just got so distracted by their face tats. They just, I can't believe face tats are just no big deal anymore. Yeah, and that, I was tripping on that too, because I like, <laughs> as you do when you're a 32 year old man, when you see something like this, you have to look up who these people are and their whole backstory. So I was looking into that. And said so they didn't come from much money and all this shit. And I was like, how do you like not have much money? And then you get all those tattoos. Like, isn't that expensive? I don't really yeah. have any tattoos other than that, like stupid one in my armpit that we've talked about. But yeah, I don't know how you could like not have money and get like your face tattooed. Doesn't that, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And how much do you have to hate your mom to get a face tattoo? Like she just, the disappointment okay. on your mom's face would just be, would just be there permanently. I'm, I'm sure. Like they used to be called job stoppers, the face tats, but now they're just... They're just everywhere. Like, I remember face tattoos used to be, I remember uh, Charles Manson had one and then the only other one that I, I really knew of that wasn't like a Maori tribal tattoo was Mike Tyson or who wasn't part of like a Maori tribe. And that, that's like two pretty scary people. And then it seems like Justin Bieber got one and then everyone else that was trying to compensate for lack of musical talents got one now. Yeah, these guys, I don't think they're that scary. They're like, they look like they're like 80 pounds. They're little fellas. <laughs> we love them. We love them. I'm going to go ahead to, back to Ali, I'm going to go ahead and say Mateus Hurdy is going to qualify. I think he's my favorite island boy this year. He's just behind the line. Like we said, the cusp guys are going to get into this, but he's my pick. Do you have any island boys that uh, you think are going to do it? Well, I don't know. What is an island boy? Those guys are from Florida, right? Isn't that a peninsula? Aren't they peninsula boys? It's not an island at all. Yeah, it just looks like a dick down there. It's not. I guess everything's an, an island, island if you, depending on how continental you want to get with it. That is deep. Yeah. They're from the island of North America. Is Kelly in it? He's in it. Yeah, Kelly's my pick. There you go. Done. Island boy. He's from Florida too. He's like the, yeah, those he's guys. A, he's a peninsula boy. He knows what's happening. He's a peninsula boy. The best shit waves we've seen with Dane Reynolds and Co. So this is a new edit from Chapter 11. It's his third volume of the shit wave series, and it is becoming so apparent that Dane Reynolds has absolutely no idea what a shit wave is. <laughs> He's just... It reminds me... So I was in Nazare last week, uh, and it's, it's a super fun wave when it's small, and it was like just a little bit overhead and like so fun, just crazy. It does what it does when it's big, but just when it's head high, it's a blast. And there was a guy out there who had a vest and a helmet and like a tenno. Do you mean a flotation vest? Yeah, yeah, flotation vest. He, like a surf one. He wasn't wearing like a like a life jacket like you were in a boat. He had like a surf yeah, flotation yeah, vest. Yeah. He he was he and he'd heard about the XM World Tour. XXM World Tour. He may have been looking for that, yeah. I think so. But it was like, seriously, it was like head high. There's probably like 50 people out, spread out. So fun. Like, so, so fun. I was like, first I kind of gave the guy the benefit of the doubt. I was like, some people like to just really know their equipment that well so that they'll surf shit like that so that when it is 20 foot, like, they're comfortable in it. This guy was not that. He could hardly get to his feet. And you could tell he just probably wanted to say, like, I did the Nazareth thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. 
I, I surf big waves. I surf Nazareth. Right? This is to me what Dane is doing with shit waves. It's just not. It's not the same. He can't claim himself as a shit wave surfer. He's the equivalent of the best guy at Nazareth saying he's a big wave surfer. It's just good waves that he's surfing. I I, I see your point, but in saying that, a really good quality surfer can make shitty waves look really good. Like the difference when you're checking the surf and and there's someone out there just flapping around versus someone out there really just ripping the shit out of it can make you just think the surf's so much better. So is it not a case of Dane just making pretty average waves look a bit funner than they are? Ooh, you might have me there. You might have me there. One thing that I think of though is, like I remember when I was a kid, because I had to surf a lot of bad waves growing up, we just get good waves in New Jersey, but a lot of shit waves in between. And I was... I wanted to see pro surfers surfing bad waves because I wanted to see what I could, what was possible and like waves like that. And I remember like one of the closest things I got was like in Taj's film Montage in the France section, there's a few pretty shitty days there, like waist high on shore. And I remember just loving that. Mm. And um, maybe that's part of why I moved here. I saw how bad the waves can get. and was like, you know, this is the place to be. This is where I need to be. <laughs> Man, I but love. I, I way prefer to watch people surf. Really, sh- not way prefer. That's that's a bit of an overst- overstatement. But I just love imperfection and shitty waves. And it's it's the same reason the Pete Mel documentary is interesting is because he he had some battles and, and some flaws that he that he overcame. And it, it's just imperfection is just way more in- interesting. I'm into that. I'm definitely into that. And I do think I'll, I'll admit maybe there is something to seeing a good surfer surf shit waves that makes you confuses you into thinking they're good but uh i'm all for pro surfers surfing the worst waves possible and filming it because i love seeing it it's it's great i think we can do worse though i really think like i mean <laughs> how am i gonna watch what dane put out and go surf it's gonna be like 30 mile per hour onshore here this weekend it's just not the same ballpark like i need to see somebody in that and then we're really talking is do you think dane's lost touch a little bit you know how that the 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 criticism of a of a rich person might be like they don't even know what a gallon of milk is how much sorry they don't even know what a gallon of milk costs <laughs> Dane doesn't even know what a shit wave is because he's so rich in surf talent I do love the idea of getting so rich that you don't recognize milk anymore <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> no but did I say that no how much it costs did what did I say <laughs> what it is <laughs> She's like, fuck, I have so much money. What, what is this white liquid? What the fuck is that white liquid doing in the fridge? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what we'll all strive for, I guess. <laughs> Be so rich you don't recognize milk. <laughs> I, I do think there is an element of that, though, too. Yeah, he just, he doesn't, he's got it. Cush life if that's a shit wave. Let's see worse. Owen Wright is giving someone a four-day Byron holiday and surf lesson for $40. Um, You live there. Isn't that pretty expensive for Byron? (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure a gallon of milk costs $40 here, let alone accommodation and a surf lesson. That's, uh, That's what we call a bargain buck. Yeah, well, I guess when you read in this story, it sounds like it's just an Airbnb kind of PR whatever play. But I think there's something deeper here. Uh-oh. I think there's something deeper we here. we got a conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah, it's coming out. Lately on tour, you've seen some guys, like Connor O'Leary is a good example. I think Morgan Sibillic maybe too. But you hear these stories of these guys that make the tour after like doing something like give surf lessons or like working at a surf shop counter, like trying to qualify. Right. I think Owen's just trying to get some grit back. I think he's seeing that. And he's like, I got to teach some surf lessons to show. I still got, I got the grit. I get, I got what it takes to, uh, you know, get in there and get the job done. That That's my take on this. You think this, he's just trying to light a fire inside himself and really just come back to this next year on tour. So fired up. Cause he taught one kid how to surf. Yeah, that's my whole conspiracy. <laughs> like any other conspiracy theory. Yeah, I've got a real. <laughs> when you problem. go into the basement of the Pizza Hut, it's not there. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a real problem with the idea of Owen teaching someone how to surf because he's just so genetically gifted that I just don't think anyone thing he could tell anyone would be useful because you couldn't just get past how fortunate he is physically. Do you ever see that thing that Indoic guys did with Owen? No. Nah. 
They basically talked about how much of an how much of an anomaly his body is, and it's freakish for a surfer. At his height, Owen shares the air with NBA's Dwayne Wade, football's Terrell Owens, and Macropus Rufus, Australia's Red Kangaroo. While the human wingspan normally extends to a length equal to height, Owen's extraordinary wingspan stretches more than four inches greater than he is tall. This hawk-like reach not only helps him glide through the water at a motorboat speed, but provides crucial balance and stability for his unusually high center of gravity. Measuring six foot seven and a quarter inches, this is a quarter inch longer than the fastest swimmer in the world, Michael Phelps. Imagine a paddle battle between the two. With a diameter of eight inches, Owen's hands are like dinner plates, displacing water with every paddle and vital to getting him into waves earlier, faster, and more often. Weighing in at 180 pounds, Owen is a solid 20 pounds more than NFL wide receiver Deshaun Jackson. While Mark Ocalupo was infamously over the average surfer's weight standards, Owen weighs a mere three kilograms less than the former heavyweight surfing world champ. At his base, Owen's massive feet support everything above and provide traction and a wide distribution of weight. He shares the same size 13 shoe as fellow action sports legend Tony Hawk and the fastest man in the world, Usain Bolt. He does kind of have like a raptor, raptor-like vibe to me, I think. Mm. Like almost, almost no body fat, just completely lean and powerful. And he has a great Jurassic spine. The Stab Highway grand finale is coming. Episode 8 drops on Thursday. So by the time this goes live, Episode 8 will be out there in the internet world for you to enjoy. Yeah. So for anyone that's been following along, the they'll know that it's come down to the final two teams, Team Holly, Team Jaleesa, and the final episode obviously unveils that winner, as well as the Monster Air winner. Feeling pretty busted up, actually. Oh, I'm sore. I've actually been having a bit of a wave of fear run through me, thinking about next year's Stab Highway, if, if that's a thing. I'd love to do it again. Shit, yeah. As long as it's once a year and not twice a year, I could prep myself pretty well, I reckon. The thought of doing it again right now makes me want to cry. <laughs> In a year's time, I'll probably forget and then say, do it again. No. I reckon I need a year break. I would never do this trip again. No way. I can't believe I'm 34 and I did this. Fuck yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'd love to do this trip again. Like even twice a year, you know? 100%. Best trip I've ever been on. Absolutely. It's This has been a trip of lifetime and it'd be silly to not go again. All in all, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm really proud of my team um, and thanks for watching and I'm just apologize to my mum my and my dad and, and anyone that I'm related to and anyone that's had an inch of respect for me. Um, I just genuinely from the bottom of my heart apologize but you know you try and suck piss every day for 10 days and do this book of challenges like you go out and try and give it a crack all right. Are we going to talk about the winners right now Buck or are we keeping it under wraps? Are we are we going to offer any spoiler alerts right now and, and go through it or how, how should we tackle this? I don't think this? we spoil it. Yeah, I think it, it strikes me as really good weekend viewing, you know, like sit down on a Saturday, watch it. So I don't want to spoil it for anybody. All right. Well, I guess we're not going to spoil it. All right. So I don't want any, I don't want any spoilers, but how, how did the winners like, because the trip just ended and... Like, how, how did you guys, like, tell the people who won? Like, was everybody together still? Yeah, well, everyone who lost will find out by watching the show. But the winning team, we tricked into coming into the stab office and, and they thought they were coming in for another interview. And I think they're all like, oh, another interview? You know, like, we're sick of talking about this thing. But then the surprise worked, Buck. I've never really done surprise parties before when the team was like shocked and stoked that they won and we all sat around afterwards forever that night celebrating, I was just celebrating the fact that the surprise worked because I thought for sure something would have fucked up along the way. If you've been holding out on Stab Premium, then we have some very good news for you. We are doing a Black Friday special where you get 20% off a gift membership to Stab Premium. So actually, you know, I'm going to rephrase that. 
if you are a loyal Stab Premium supporter and you want to show your friends this incredible world that you get to enjoy, then gift it to your buddies. You get 20% off. Uh, you'll be able to find the code on our website this weekend, stabmag.com. And so I highly recommend checking that out. We recently did a survey uh, of Stab Premium members and it was weird. We asked this one question about like the site design. It really was a basic question, I thought. And over half the respondents said that since subscribing to Stab Premium, they're having more sex. And it's not just more <laughs> sex, but it's it's better sex too. They're reporting a higher quality of sex, a higher quality of connection throughout the lovemaking experience. And so it really is worth it. 20% off. Give it to your friends. Give it to yourself. Give it to a stranger. Have fun. It's Thanksgiving. So hold on. So that code goes for what over the weekend? Did you say I actually wasn't listening? Yeah, it'll be a twenty percent off code to gift membership. So you'll just be able to see it on stabmag.com. But as we all know, in holiday shopping time, people just buy gifts for themselves. So uh, it'll probably happen here too. But uh, in theory, you could gift it to a friend and not yourself. But probably you're going to see a lot of people gifting to themselves. But. Or you can just do the cl- the classic gift where it's for someone else, but it's actually for yourself and. You somehow swindle their their email and password. Yeah, yeah, you could be that one. Yeah, like get it for your one friend in your friend group, and then just steal their email account. <laughs> give, it to, give it to your friend for for Christmas, and then steal their identity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go steal steal all their money. Do some bank fraud. Okay, we've talked about we've talked about the surf sins before and I've talked about how much I love them, but they never cease to impress me. And this one, it's it's up there with the greats. It's up there with your teddies, with your guy who hopped on the Russian man. It's it's an all-time great. This one's for the books, I think. So uh let's hear from Danny, I believe his name is. Yeah, let's hear from Daniel and his very impressive surf scene. My name's Daniel Samo. I'm from Maribor Beach in Sydney and I'm 34 years old. And uh, this surf scene, well, I think it's a surf scene, um, goes back about 16, 17 years to the Snickers Pro at Maribor, the WQS event. Uh, it involves the GOAT himself, Kelly Slater. So um, big, it was a big deal at the time in Maroubra um, to have the QS there, first big pro event in, in quite a while, I think. Um, I was probably 15 or 16, froth and grommet, f- just dropped out of school, down the beach every day, seeing all your heroes was pretty epic. Um, and on round one, Kobe Abaddon um, had Kelly in his heat and actually won the heat. Um, the waves were horrible. It was, you know, small, southerly swell, a little bit of a closeout at Northland. And it was sick. Kobe won. Everyone was frothing. Um, anyway, that later that day, the waves sort of picked up a little bit from the south. And um, along with a good mate of mine, Luke Northey, um, who was on the Billabong team at the time, um, he had a WQS warrior from Brazil staying with him, Pedro Enriquez, who eventually went on to be on the CT and things like that. Anyway, we, we uh, hop in Luke's dad's car and um, he takes us down, sort of down the shire there, to surf a misto left which Danny I'm pretty sure you're um, pretty familiar with um, and we get there and the car park's packed the waves are picked up um, we're walking through and we walk past this van and this particular van is stacked with our Merrick's quickie sticker on the nose and we're like fuck that's Kelly's 100% they're Kelly's boards how sick Kelly's going to be out there how good's this and then we get out the front and have a look and there he is he's not surfing the main wave you sort of go there to surf he's just down the reef a little bit on a little right we're like fuck like I think Luke's dad might have mentioned like oh like let's like, let's do something to, to his car or, or something like this and then I was like yeah I'm, I'm leaving a note like I'm, we've got to leave a note on his car we've got to do it we've got to say something and like Pedro's sort of going like no no you cannot do this like it's disrespectful and I'm like shut up mate like I'm doing it anyway write a note on his car fuck you Slater Kobe's gonna smash you tomorrow because he ended up getting through the I think the round two and then he had Kobe again in round three and um anyway wrote the note never thought anything of it for years and then a couple years later the Bra Boys documentary comes out and they do an interview with Slater and he actually brings it up. Kobe beat me in that first heat we had. 
And then the next day, maybe that afternoon, I was surfing and somebody left a, a note on my car. It said, um, Kobe's going to kick your ass again tomorrow and, you know, fucking beat it Slater or something like that. And I just thought it was so funny. And I thought to myself, fuck, like, he's the most unrattleable person in fucking surfing. And I've rattled this guy, a 16-year-old kid that knows nothing. Um, and, yeah, I don't know, boys. Is there some penance for this? <laughs> All right, Buck. Uh, yeah, an instant classic. What, what do you make of it? Uh, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's, it's relatable in the sense that when you're kind of in those teenage years, you just have no idea that, like, your actions have, like, consequences in any way. <laughs> so you're just like, oh, this is funny. I'm going to leave this note on a car that <laughs> sticks with Kelly for, like, a decade. <laughs> um, Pedro Henrique's appearance. He's oh, just, that's so <laughs> he's, good. Nah, we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite part by far. He's like, fuck off, Pedro. <laughs> I know. It's so good. Um, you know what's interesting is a little bit of backstory to this little moment here happening back in 2004 at the Maroubra Snickers Pro. Snickers definitely do not sponsor surf events anymore. We miss you. Come back or send Buck and I chocolate. Up to you. Yeah. Um, Kobe Abaddon was right in the middle of a, a facing trial with the Supreme Court and only got out of jail like a couple of days before this event. So to add to the hype that the hometown hero was surfing against Kelly Slater, he was also just released on bail and and that just added to that moment. And uh, yeah, he, he smoked Kelly in, in, in the first round and then Kelly came back and beat him in the, in the following round and then went on to win the event. But what a moment in Maroubra. What a moment, what a story, like just to have it resurfaced, like I'm sure he just, just to, it would catch you off guard, right? First time watching Bra Boys, you see that come up and you'd be like, no fucking way, that was me. Like, <laughs> you'd be so, I, I don't even know how you'd respond in that moment. Um, but it's a sin. It's a sin. Uh, Pedro Enrique, he, he recognized it as a sin immediately. Mm. Um, but Daniel didn't listen, and now he gets a penance. My first opinion, my first thing I wanted to, it was going to be a bit extreme, and I was going to say that Daniel has to pretty much leave like positive affirmation notes on Kelly's car that would prevent him from retiring, like, and basically put it on Daniel. If Kelly retires, it's because Daniel has been doing a good job. Um, that seemed excessive. And so I toned it back a little bit. I think he needs to, because this is doable. It's hard, but it's doable to sneak to one CT event. A little bit stalkerish, but, I mean, you know what time Kelly's going to surf. So kind of just set up. And he, he's got to leave another note. And I'm not going to tell him what to say. It has to come from the heart. But I think we need another note on Kelly's car and that way he's forgiven. Mm, I like it. Well, tell you what I don't like though, Buck, is Slater haters. I feel like there's way too many Slater haters out there and I, for one, can't stand them. And I, I kind of get it on one hand because he's so famous. It's, it's almost impossible to think of him as a, a regular person and also he surfs like such a freak, 11 world titles blah, 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 used to date Pamela Anderson in a prime, probably his greatest highlight. So all these things just take, take him into another stratosphere. You don't even even consider him as a regular person. He's almost the same way like Laird Hamilton just doesn't even seem real. But, do you know what I mean? I do. I do. I like Slater hair. I never heard that all rhymed up like that before. That's good. I feel like way too much disrespect in Kelly's direction. And so I thought Daniel did his sin privately and anonymously and I think his penance should be something that's done in public. And so my penance for Daniel was that he needs to write that exact same comment that he wrote as best he can remember it on every single Instagram post that Kelly Slater <laughs> does from now moving forward until Kelly responds. I don't think it takes much. I think I, I would think he could bait <laughs> Kelly in a response pretty quickly here. <laughs> I just wonder if Kelly would remember and what he would say back. I like it. I like it. And Kelly strikes me as the type of person too and have one of those just like Jurassic brains where he just 
automatically remember anything. And so I think he will. I think he put it together. I heard this story once where Kelly, this is probably like a second or third hand story. So apologies if there's any inaccuracies here, but Kelly was in Taj's place in West Oz and he was looking at Taj's Pipe Masters trophy where he beat Kelly in the final and Kelly just looked at it. And that would have been so many years earlier. And Kelly just looked at the trophy and the first thing he said is like, oh, I just needed 0.6 more on my second wave and I would have got that. And I was just like, wow. Like that is a what sounds like a, a photographic memory to me. I mean, I'm sure scores are probably the most important thing in his life. So maybe, maybe he doesn't remember much else, but I was, I was pretty impressed with that level of memory. Wow. Yeah, no, I think he's got Daniel. He, he immediately, he'll recognize I've been that fucking guy. The note guy. <laughs> You think so? You think so? Oh, yeah. I would love to know how he responds to that, just completely out of context. Like Kelly's writing something about cryptocurrencies, and then he just gets told that Kobe's going to smash him. <laughs> it's probably a pretty, pretty. It's probably a pretty scary <laughs> message. Like, oh shit, I've pissed off Kobe Abbott, oh, no. and he's going to bash me. Oh no, me. what have I done? <laughs> Guess I got to pull out of Australia this year. And and it's tomorrow too. Like Kobe's going to smash you tomorrow. It's even, <laughs> It's even more. It's even more fear-inducing. It's like shit. I didn't even know Kobe was in. Looking over your shoulder, in California or wherever yeah. Kelly is. Fuck. Gotta deal with this now. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Bark, and thanks to Daniel Seminara for your. I hope I'm saying that right, Daniel Seminara, for your iconic surf scene where you you, you rattled the most unrattleable person in surfing. I mean, is he though? I feel like anyone with an Instagram profile that's got 14 followers or so and is set to private can rattle the goat. But that's why I love him so much because he cares. Please send your surf sins in to myself and Bark via the email addresses in the description. And now let's talk, let's talk Halle Eva with Mike and Stace. All right, welcome back to the Stab Cusp. Uh, we've been on a little hiatus while the Challenger series took a breather, but we're just coming into Haliva, the last event of the season. Huge implications for both male and female surfers. So uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about the forecast. We're going to talk about the cut line, which, uh, spoiler alert, not spoiler alert, has changed. And we're going to talk about our predictions for the event, um, both on the good and the bad side. So, Stacy, how you been? I've basically just been waiting for this event to start, Mikey. It has been a hot minute. Um, I've been joining our brothers on the Drop podcast uh, in between Cusp episodes. More notably, the Ryan Miller episode got me pretty fired up to talk professional surfing. What about you, Mikey? Yeah, I've uh, I've been crunching some numbers and also enjoying the Drop and. I think they got to talk about something that was near and dear to our heart as well, which was uh, that the WSL reversed the double qualifier rule. So um, basically, there are now 12 spots officially up for grabs by anyone on the Challenger Series to make it from Haliva to Pipeline, the first CT event of the 2022 season, which is pretty exciting. That's that's huge news. Uh, squeaky wheel gets the oil is the saying that comes to mind there. Uh, I'm going to have to eat some sort of Humble pie, not sure what variety, but uh, yeah, that definitely did not go the way that I had it playing out in my head, but more power to the QE army. Yeah, the WSL doesn't actually cave all that often, so it was impressive that they kind of recognized this movement um, for what it was, which is a legitimate one in my eyes, and yeah, they they turned the other cheek and, and took it on the chin and every other <laughs> face analogy. <laughs> So it's, it's, it's making this battle for qualification, the doors have just swung right open, uh, particularly wide open. Wide open. Um, notably just the men, though, that that kind of are really going to benefit from this as far as I can see. Yeah, it seems that the CT women are far more benevolent than the men, and they decided not to just go out and crush dreams this entire CS season. But there are a few in the draw at Haliva, most notably the five-time world champion, Carissa Moore. So, yeah, I think that now that she's kind of freed up, she feels like she can take a few scalps and um, more power to her, I suppose. And a few sca scalps she will take, no doubt. Um, the forecast is kind of tricky, though. It looks like it could be pumping, but depends on 
how much you value Surfline's measurement of wave heights. Yeah. Well, basically, the way you got to think about it is Surfline gives a wave height that is uh, twice the Hawaiian scale, and then you have to actually take that in half again to get the Haleiwa size, because Haleiwa is always half the size of the other parts of the North Shore. So if it says uh, eight feet, it's actually going to be two foot Hawaiian at Haleiwa, which is about chest to head high. So uh, it looks like the first day we're going to get some pretty fun waves that's from like a residual swell that's hitting on Thanksgiving. And then it dies down for a bit. There is a bit of activity on the long form or long term forecast, but I don't know how much faith I put in that. Um, but it is a long waiting period. They do have just about, uh, what would that be? Almost, yeah, not quite two weeks, but but closer to two weeks than 10 days. And so chances are they will get some surf. And yeah, I guess at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if, whether it's waist high or double overhead. People got to go out there and 100%. I guess the only saving grace is that the direction seems fairly favorable for Haleiwa. Hopefully it doesn't, like what you say, halve again. Um, but I'd love to see some head high plus right. Uh, I don't want to see that shitty little left. I don't think anyone does. No, except for maybe... Oh, who's done well out there? I guess I guess John John's gotten a pretty big score on the left out there. Not that he wants it, but he's there for it if it comes. <laughs> he's ready for anything, but I definitely think he's keen on a, on a head high right. <laughs> Just judging by his clips so is, from last uh, year. Yeah, well, that was a little overhead. Um, Wade Carmichael as well won in pretty much head high rights. Um, Frederico Marais has done pretty well in head high rights. Mateus Hurdy done pretty well in head high rights. So, yeah, a lot of names I'm sure that would be excited about that. Um, and I do want to get into our picks for this, but just to give a little bit deeper context into what this means for the qualification with the double qualifying thing. So right now, surfers all the way down in 15th place are technically within the cut line. Um, so that goes down to Mr. Jordy Lawler from Australia. He is in by the skin of his teeth, and I would not expect him to stay there at his current point total, meaning that he'll need to better a result at Haleiwa to stay within the range because there's so many guys that are within a few hundred points here or there. And when I'm looking at it right now, what I'm really seeing in my mind is that 11,000 points is almost definitely safe. So that's everyone from Joao Chianca, Luca Messinas, Connor O'Leary, Nat Young, Emai Kalani Duvall, Jake Marshall, and the only person who is officially in, Zeke Lau. So that's seven of the 12 spots that I'm saying, just based on some of the rough math that I did, are pretty much guaranteed to be in. And then beneath them, we've got Liam O'Brien, Carlos Munoz, Callum Robson, Jackson Baker, and Jordy Lawler. Um, so those are the guys that are really trying to fend off the people below them. The pack of Aussie quokkas that are all hovering around that cut line. <laughs> um, and it's a funny one because although the points total is so low, as, as you say, there's only eight surfers that can make a semi-final, for, for example. Hawaii's four-man to the death. So it's going to be still, I think, a limited number. Even though, it's, even though it's more than usual, um, it's really not a lot of spots that are up for grabs um, to, to get, like what you said, like really serious points to get you up over that 11,000 point mark, which a lot of these surfers do need because a few of them are kind of, you know, holding a, a result that they, they do need to, you know, improve on quite substantially. So it's going to be... It's going to be really interesting, but there there are a lot, a lot of surfers there in and around, you know, between 10, 5 and 9,000 points that um, are all very, very capable surfers. Um, I think of someone like Michelle Berez, you know, just so experienced. I, I think he is definitely someone that um, you don't want to be on the same side of the draw as him. Yeah, so, okay, how many people, this is our, our first prediction of the show. How many people are going to move from below the cut line to above the cut line on the men's side? Two. Just two? Wow. Well, that's good for my boy Carlos. I think Carlos is in. Yeah, I think so too, but I don't want to say that because I don't want to be the reason that he's okay, not. I'll take the hit for that if anything should go wrong, but I, I really <laughs> like his chances. Okay, I'm going to say uh, three. 
I'm going to go one above you. Oh, good. Um, who who are they? And Name them. All right, so <clears throat> I am going with you. I think Michelle Berez is going to do it. I still, there, there. I mean, I know, you know what? I need to end the season how I started it, and that was rooting for the Japanese surfers. So I'm going to give Shun Murakami a run. I think he's, uh, I think he's got the game, especially, I mean, not to uh, diminish his surfing in any way, but if it is a little bit on the smaller side, that's probably a good advantage for him just because he's so tight and technical. Um, and, you know, I've actually been hearing a lot of people talking up Cole Hauschman, and we actually just dropped a clip of Cole's on our site. And I don't know, he's just a really solid, powerful, stylish surfer. And I can see him putting a few hits together as well. Yeah, so you like Shun. I obviously know you like Michelle and Cole Hauschman. I like it. My next question, who are they going to replace? You're about to tear strips through the Aussie Quokkas. I can see it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jordy Lawler's gone. Um... Oh, that, then it gets tricky because actually Jackson and Callum seem pretty well suited to Haliva. Um, so, and I can't take out Carlos. Oh, there's your boy in at 11. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't do that. Uh, oh, man. It's going to be gnarly. And I think, to, to your point about Shun, um, no doubt he's got ticker, but I think it'll it'd suit him if it was smaller. And Geordie Lawler's another surfer who, same sort of style, same sort of frame, kind of reminds me of like a, you know, someone who, you know, he's obviously won the Australian Open and things like that. So if it's a small left, again, not taken away from his ability when the waves do get overhead, but he'll annihilate a small little left. So if it is, if he does have any heats on those smaller days, I think he would be, he'd be pretty stoked, but... The crazy thing about the the pack of Aussies that are that are doing well, particularly Callum and Jackson, is that they're not those big superstar names. But this Challenger series, I think, by the U.S. Open, has just suited them so much. I know Callum got a good result there at Huntington, but you look at you know the waves in Europe suiting his power, and obviously coming into Haleiwa, he's been putting up some really good stuff on Instagram for someone who hasn't been to Hawaii a hell of a lot. So. Yeah, these these two blokes that are sitting in at 12 and 13, man, they really could do it. It's looking very favorable for them. Yeah, well, I've got two thoughts on that. One is that uh, actually the beginning of the CT, the first leg, is kind of a continuation of that to a large degree. Like if they did make it, they could potentially do pretty well on the waves in that first five events. And two, you said that uh, they aren't the big Aussie stars that are coming up, but who are the big Aussie stars that are coming up right now? Because I certainly don't know. It's any. a really good question, and I definitely think, without a doubt, there's a big hole there. Um, I think behind Ethan Ewing, there's definitely um, a bit of ground to make up, um, and it's up to these guys to step into the fold. I think that Morgan obviously showed what it can be to come from absolutely nothing into world title threat. And I do think we are going to need to be surprised again with this next little pack that are coming through. And that's the one beautiful thing about the tour is that it, it, you either rise up to it and it brings the best out of you or you, you kind of can't handle the heat. So, you know, if these two guys can get on tour, like you said, um, pipeline's an interesting wave to really make your mark first event of your CT career. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to put too much pressure on that event for anyone that qualifies, but going into sunset and bells, you're right. It's, it is a continuation of these events and you know, they could really do it. I think as far as stars are concerned, I think Liam O'Brien has some star power there. Um, but still not quite on that level that we've seen out of like, you know, your Jack Robbo's and your Ethan Ewing's. All right. So this event, um, we are going to have to pick a winner. Now, John Florence is officially coming out of his hiatus and returning for this event, but I'm going to go ahead and say that we can't pick him. So, who is your pick to win this event? I'm going to just keep on rolling with my Aussie Quokka spiel, and I'm going to go Jacko Baker. Wow. That'd be huge. It would be massive. That'd be uh, two finals for old Baker. It'd be on a bit of a roll. (laughs) What about you? Who you got? I got... The one and only Robert Kelly Slater. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I think... Uh, <laughs> Good call. I think we're going to see some carving 360s. I think that's actually all we're going to see. I'm gonna, he's going to be the first person to win an event only doing 360s. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. 
And uh, <laughs> oh, no, I, I mean, jokes aside, he loves this wave. He surfs this wave incredibly well. I think his boards are really well suited to this wave. Um, I would love to see him back on that cymatic thing. And uh, the judges love him out there as well. I remember uh, some contentious Jacob Wilcox fans a couple years oh. back. And that was some wild shit. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, a bit of a dark horse to be sure, just with all the young talent and all the kids who are hungry for good reason, whereas he's just surfing an event because he likes the wave and why not? But I don't know. He gets a few heat wins under his belt and he starts to think, oh, fuck these kids. And that's when he uh, gets pretty dangerous. I think, um, you know, Parker kind of showed that the year that he won, you know. You don't have to be that young, sprightly kid to win Halle either. Like, Joel won when it was three feet there, you know, in, by the time the final came around, I mean. So it's definitely uh, a wave where, you know, your experience really can show, and no one's more experienced than, than Kelly in that heat draw. So, yeah, I like your call. What about a bolter? Who you got coming from way downtown to qualify? Oh, the, this is my true passion pick of the event, is Wesley Dantas. Uh Oh, that'd be sick. I just, you know, we tried to we tried to bring him down to Costa Rica for Stab Highway, and he actually was so excited to be in it that he got there a day or two early and was just practicing warming up, trying a few airs and turns, and he blew his knee out, and it bummed me out so bad that he didn't get to be a part of that event that we put on because I just, I'm so fascinated and enthralled by his surfing, just such a big guy doing the most explosive airs and... Uh, obviously turns as well. He's he's basically just like a bigger, thicker version of Wiggly, and I would love nothing more than to see him absolutely douse some fools at Haleiwa and end up on the big boys tour and just scare the shit out of everyone. I'm right there with you. He's got some fast twitch muscle fiber shit going on that I cannot even begin to explain. Um, I've seen him do some wild airs, like really cool, no grab, boned out. It, it's, yeah, he's defies... You know, he might be what a perfect surfing body should look like. <laughs> did you see, by the way, speaking of people who have gotten ripped off, did you see the turn he did in France that they gave him a 5-4? It was actually a complete wave, but there was his first turn. It was like this absurd nose pick reverse layback thing. Like, it was just, like, so far out of bounds from what had been done that day on this, like, kind of wonky, high-tide, shore-breaky thing. And, yeah, the judges just No, I didn't, him. but I believe it. Um, I don't know where he's rated on the QS. Uh, I'm assuming he's pretty far down, um, but I'm going to go way down. Let me tell you, he's number I'm gonna 50. Go with... Okay, well, I'm going to double you. I'm going to go with number 96, Baron Mamiya. And he would need to pretty much win the comp to qualify, but I think if anyone can do it, it's him. Really? Okay, what do you like about Baron? What's not to like about him? His snap four part is just off bone. And if he does qualify, holy shit, he's like straight into a podium at Pipeline. <laughs> he is seriously next level. Um, he got fifth yeah, at Sunset a few years ago. psycho at Pipeline. And I easily think that he could put together a few heats here. He's improved so much with his face work over the last sort of 24 months. Um, and I think that, you know... He's kind of going into it with nothing to lose, kind of Dusty Payne-esque vibes. I reckon he can do it. Ooh, I like that. I like that reference. Um, okay, cool. Baron, backing it. That's a, I, I, it's a very heavy call in terms of the ground he has to make up. But <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm going out there with on, a, on a limb. I actually don't feel like it's that much of a limb, though. I just think that it's because he's rated so far down it looks crazy, but yeah. Um, what about the women? We can't pick Carissa. Um, I I'll put that out there. Who you got? Yeah, well, I'm picking little Carissa, Betty Lou. Um, I know you had her for an event earlier this year, and I'm swooping her uh, at her home break, where I have watched her out there, and she is, if not the best female surfer I've ever seen out there, then the second best behind Carissa. So uh that's a really easy one for me she is just below the cut line right now i think she will easily jump in there if she doesn't it'll be something catastrophic will have to happen she's too good too strong knows that wave too well um this almost feels like cheating picking her but i'm picking her i knew you were going to swoop me because i just know you so I've, i'd already accounted for that and i'm going to go with the double runner-up for the women's season this year gabriella bryan I reckon she's going to bust on through for All a right. big win. 
she deserves it. She's been there, and yeah, two huge results, and she's already on tour, so she doesn't need it, but she's talented, she's strong, she's really strong, and she is clearly on a roll right now, so it seems like a good pick. Hondo, now, who's your bolter? Who's coming from way downtown? Ah, oh, man, I think I'm going to go Tia Blanco. Um, yeah, I'm going Ultimate Surfer Dynasty on the Challenger Series this year, and my thinking is she surfed through, like, five of those last wave surf-offs at the ranch, and if you can handle that pressure, this should feel like nothing, right? Like, there's nothing more nerve-wracking than standing up on a wave in general at Slater's Ranch, and to do it and need, like, an eight and to get it every single time, I don't know, that seems like a pretty easy pick for me. I like it. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, standing up on a wave there is hard enough, let alone doing it for a reason or having some sort of pressure. I'm going to go with Shimmy Disco, Dimity Stoyle. I love that pick. I hope she can pull it off. I, I don't know. I mean, like, obviously she was on tour for a while, and uh, for whatever reason, I don't know if her surfing was just not quite as good back then, but I, I didn't pay as much attention to it. And now that she's been off tour... And just some of the stuff I've seen on Instagram and in that uh, women's film that Dan Scott made, like she's just a great, great, Definitely. great surfer. Um, and she's she's used to the current, um, which Hallie Eva has a shit ton of. So I think uh, it's going in the other direction though. So I hope she doesn't get lazy and stop paddling. Otherwise, she'll end up around the corner. Um, but Pretty if she can wave over get... there though. <laughs> just outside the contest area. Um, yeah, I think that... Um, yeah, I definitely think you're going to need to be have your paddling arms on, no matter how big it is. But, yeah, I think that um, she, she's used to water moving around and, and battling on a point. So, yeah. Just got to remember to check inside you because you might have the the lower priority but, but be on the outside and think you're on. If you, I've definitely seen that happen a few times out there. Yeah. So, okay, those are our picks. And as far as the women's uh, cut line goes... Right now, Brisa Hennessy and Gabrielle O'Brien are officially in. Katie Simmers, let's call her officially in. Then uh, there are six slots open for the women. So the last three are the ones who are a little bit vulnerable. That's India Robinson, Sawyer Lindblad, and Vahine Fierro. And just beneath them would be Luana Silva, Molly Picklum, Coco Ho, Alyssa Spencer, etc. So how many women do you see jumping above? Who do you see jumping above? Who's getting kicked out? I think there's going to be a big switch up there. You've got the chasing pack that's really strong. Um, a couple of Hawaiians. Alyssa Spence has been on a roll. Um, I, I think that um, the, the women's race is going to be really, really tight. But I agree with you, uh, with Katie Simmons. I think she's done enough. And there's um, just those bottom three could change out. And I almost think it could just be the direct three behind them. Um, or maybe Alyssa Spencer in, um, in the fourth position there to, to jump over the line. But going to be very very tight all right well that will be fun to watch and are you gonna be uh coaching anyone or just cheering people on for this event just cheering people on yeah i um i'll be doing that at, at the perfect time of the day um oh malia's surfing in the event um so i'll be cheering her on closely she's actually just coming back from a knee injury, which was a bit of a bummer um, after a great result there in Mexico, thought that um, she'd stay for a few extra days and um, was, was putting together a bit of a video part and unfortunately came unstuck. So this will be one of her kind of first real surfs back um, from that injury. So it'll be a good a good test for her. So I'm keen to see how she goes and if she can carry on that form from Speaking Mexico. Speaking of uh, first events back, I saw Jack Freestone's name on the list and I have two questions about this one do you know what jack's current thinking is on competing and two did he make a board change i've seen him on some different crafts on his instagram not those pizels anymore uh firstly i think jack would just be doing it to keep the competitive juices flowing he's a very relaxed character but deep down he's a competitor so i think that having an event like that in his quote unquote new backyard he'd be pretty pumped up to to ride uh, ride some waves in, in a rashi out there um, and to be honest I think he probably feels that he is, is due for a result out there I think Haliva suits his surfing brilliantly but he's just never really had any major success out there um, so I think that he'd be feeling like he's got you know something to prove uh, and then equipment wise 
Look, Jack's always been pretty uh, flirtatious over his years with, with, with shapers, and I think Alex Cruz was one of his best friends. Uh, so uh, he shapes under the, the banner Axod, and he, he made him a few boards when he's out here in Australia, and he really liked a couple of them. So he's taken them over to Hawaii, and he's been riding them. And then I believe that uh, he got a few fun boards from a, a friend of his in California that um, he's been playing around on as well. So I think once the contest rolls in, though, Jack will be on a 6-2 Highline Pizel, which is his new model with Pizel, So All right, fair enough. It is an interesting tactic, though, because, you know, there's flirtation, but you don't post your side check on Instagram. Everybody knows that. I would have to agree with you on that one. Um, but then again... If you've got an open relationship, far away, <laughs> babe. Very true. This is, uh, yeah, 2021. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And I think Jack's in a pretty pretty relaxed headspace at the moment. He, he won't be chasing the QS next year. Um, young family, you know. And to be honest, I don't think, you know, Jack's worked with Darren Hanley in the past and now John Pizel. They're both competitors, but also they get people have other interests as well, you know. Um, Jack for a few seasons was always had a few Pizels in the quiver with when he had his DHs so you know it's not the first time that Jack's ridden another Shaper's board and I think that like I said it's probably an open relationship Alright so one last thing before we go Halia is famous for its toilet bowl end section and coupling that with the fact that this event has basically everything on the line for Challenger Series surfers, I have a feeling that we're going to see some pretty explosive attempts and probably some pretty brutal wipeouts as well. So if you had to put your money on it, who's going to have the worst wipeout of the event? I'm going to go with Molly Picklum for worst wipeout of the event. And I, I mean that in a positive sense in that she's full of attitude and, and like go-getter attitude. So I feel like... Yeah, I mean that in a positive way and that she's going to attack that end bowl and, and you know, I'm sure she'll make a couple and probably come unglued on a couple. So, yeah, I'm going to go, going to go with, with Pickles. Who you got? Oh, for me, that's an easy one. Michael Dunphy. Uh, Dunphy has been wanting this for so long and has worked so hard, just put in years grinding on the QS. And I think he's going to find himself in a situation where he needs something in the 3.67 range. And he's going to have one shot at it. And he is going to go for broke. And broke off he is going to get, I believe. But he's going to get the score because the first turn was so huge, right? And then he comes on glued on the <laughs> second turn. He, he's, if you want to talk about board changes, he's actually just jumped on uh, a few lost surfboards that have been working really well for him. Um, a long career with CI, and I know it was pretty hard for him to break away from them, but you got to do what's best for you. And he's got a, a bunch of uh, lost surfboards, mayhems under his feet, as well as um, in, in the, the step-up gun category, a bunch of fresh decoros. So can't do. Oh, well, then he's not falling. Never mind. I didn't know this. This is insider <laughs> info you got. Okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Hawaii is an interesting one for boards. And I think that, you know, even as far back to Mick Fanning, uh, 2007 world title, uh, even though he didn't win it, uh, in Hawaii, but from around that era, I believe might, maybe even 2009, sorry, he was always had a few Takoros in the mix and even through his regular year would, would jump on a channel islands here or a loss there yep. or, you know, I think, uh, it, yeah, Hawaii is probably the only place on the tour where surfers get different boards specifically for that place, right? 100%. And I, I'm actually surprised to not see it utilized more around the world. I think potentially Andy was the last one that I can think of, which you rarely saw him on the same board twice until he kind of got to the JS era. But even then still had other boards under his feet, chilies and whatnot. And, you know, I, I definitely think that certain shapers have the magic for certain areas. All right. Well, Haliva starts in pretty much right now so log on to wsl.com no let's not say that actually um no, why not we love it get around them uh what's your unpopular oh, opinion for um, the event shit i prompted you on that and then forgot to think of one myself uh let me ask you uh well mine is like it's it's an annoying one because <laughs> i hope the waves are big enough for it but if they are big enough for it I'd like to see everyone just step it up, chuck an extra inch or two on whatever you think you're going to ride, 
and just punch O'Sullivan at like out, out, out the back. <laughs> because there's certain surfers, I think like Joel Santeo, Pancho Sullivan, you know, Billy Kemper comes to mind where they just surf the waves like Hawaiians. They surf it before it's broken and they sit really far out and they get in on the green face and they're doing a turn before the rest of the kind of pack are even taking off. And it's a, quite a risky strategy because you can definitely get lost out at sea and, and miss those fun double ups. But if you put yourself on the, the bigger waves out there, oh man, it just it's a, it's a sight to behold. You see one of those true Hawaiian power surfers get a hold of a wave, I think it's it's all time. And I think a few of the, the touring surfers, the, the non-locals can do that as well, but they've just got to be prepared to surf the 6.6 yeah, right. instead okay. of the 6.1. I love that. Um, yeah, imagine somebody paddling out there on just a giant, giant board. That's so brilliant. Oh, I remember one year, <laughs> Jack actually had Pancho Sullivan in a heat and... Um, Jack scraped through in second, but fuck me, Pancho just destroyed everyone. He was riding a seven six. Everyone else was riding a six two, and it was just, it was, it was another sport. I, I don't even know if that's an unpopular opinion. I think that we all, and there's some part of us that wants to see that. I don't know if you saw on Instagram the other day, but we put up a clip of Margot and Neil Purchase Jr. just surfing bigger boards, and people fucking loved it. Like, I don't know if it's just the nostalgia or it's just the point of difference or what, but I swear if you did that in the event, judges would eat it up. So um, fair enough. I'll, I'll give you that's an unpopular opinion just because nobody does it, but I think the general public all wants it. Yeah, it's a really weird one. I think it's an unpopular opinion amongst the surfers because they all want to ride as short a board as possible and do the most radical turns as possible. But it, I agree with you. Like, <laughs> bigger boards, bigger turns. It seems fairly logical. But for some reason, everyone just wants to ride as short a board as possible. I think I can probably blame John John Florence for that. Yeah. And don't forget your thumbtails, everyone, <laughs> if you've been following the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's <laughs> thumbtail, thumbtail seven sixes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that is it for this episode of the Stab Cusp. Stacy, thank you so much for uh, joining me, and we will chat right after Halib is done. Well, looking forward to it, Mikey. That's all we've got for this week. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Mike and Stace for their deep dive, their analysis of the CS. Second in detail, knowledge and CS passion to no one except for Buck and myself. We are the true CS experts. And don't forget to send your surf sins in, danny at stabmag.com and bigdigpowersurfer at stabmag.com. And we will see you next week. This is your name. No, no, no. I want your name. Tell a funny story. You know, uh, yeah, I gotta flip the script here because usually you're the one asking the questions. But uh, do you have any funny stories of Pete when he's kidding? I got all kinds of funny stories, but you gotta be you gotta be sensitive to the to the climate. <laughs> we got we got a diverse crowd. Yeah, but uh, no, there's just a lot of good stories. You know, I, I remember a lot of stuff. I remember him getting kicked out of the water by Big Mokes. Ooh. Uh, I remember just you know having a lot of fun and uh, and watching him do things that you know guys in our group weren't doing. Um, other than guys like Kelly Slater in the big group, it was Peter that was doing it in our group. So thank you. Um, oh, you know that. But I, I think that's what's going to come out of this film too. Is that um, as a group, our crew, you know, Flea, Rube, Floya. I mean, it's Rat, it's Barney, uh, it's this really uh, diverse Santa Cruz community that got together. And uh, you know, he was one. Of, Adam was one of the forefronts for me, especially competitively, because he was. You know, he made the championship tour. I didn't get there. You know, that was something that we all kind of achieved parts of our lives that were super cool. And that was a big part of it, watching you surf 10 foot pipeline. And uh, no shame pulling into big ones. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what do you do, right? I told what do you, you do? It's not about me today, dude. I'm watching your movie. Let's get on with oh, this. Come on. <laughs>